The following podcast is a glimpse into the life of Ecclesia Houston. We pray it is a blessing as you seek to follow Jesus, the liberating King, and live in his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Ecclesia, thank you for joining us this morning and thank you for welcoming us into your home. We are so grateful to be cultivating this sacred time with you. I invite you to join with me in a prayer from the book. It's called To Bless the Space Between Us. And this prayer is a section from a morning offering. I place on the altar of dawn the quiet loyalty of breath the tent of thought where I shelter, 
waves of desire I am sure to, and all beauty drawn to the eye. May my mind come alive today to the invisible geography that invites me to new frontiers to break the dead shell of yesterdays and to risk being disturbed and changed. May I have the courage today to live this life of love. Ecclesia, may we be ever more aware this morning of God's presence and leading. Let's continue to worship in song. God is my shepherd, I won't be wanting, I won't be wanting. He makes me rest in fields of green with quiet streams. And even though I walk through of death and dying I will not fear cause you are with me you're always with me your shepherd's staff comforts me you are my feast in the presence of enemies is surely goodness will follow me will follow me in the house of God forever in the house of God forever God is my shepherd, I won't be wanting, I won't be wanting. He makes me rest in fields of green with quiet streams. And even though I walk through valley of death and dying I will not fear cause you're with me you're always with me your shepherd's staff comforts me of enemies is surely goodness will follow me will follow me yeah your shepherd's staff comforts me you are my feast in the presence of enemies is surely Follow me in the house of God forever. In the house of God forever. In the house of God forever.
Will your grace run out if I let you down? Cause all I know is how to run. I sinner if it's not one thing it's another caught up in words tangled in lies you are a savior and you take brokenness aside and you make it beautiful beautiful and will you call me Ecclesia, we are so grateful you're gathered with us today. And as we continue our worship, we are reminded of the gifts and resources we have been given to steward together. I invite you to pray this prayer along with me over our offering. Almighty God, we long to love you and one another as you love us. Fill us with continued worship and gratitude to sustain us in uncertain times. Help our thoughts to be holy and our hearts to remain generous. As you free us from all anxiety and fear of scarcity, we seek each day to place our renewed trust in you, reminded that even in the seeming desert, your banquet table is set for feasting. Through this humble offering of our family, and in all things, may you be glorified. Amen.
Hello Ecclesia, so good to be gathered with you uh, remotely online in this way. If we haven't met in person, my name is Wayne and I'm one of the campus pastors here and it's my honor to get to give you some updates on some things that are happening in and around our community uh, coming up very soon. One is we wanted to remind you that we are continuing to do some outdoor services where we can gather together in person. Uh, we're currently doing that at our West Side campus every Sunday at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. And we're bummed because this past weekend we actually had to cancel uh, both our outdoor Evensong as well as outdoor Eucharist due to the weather. And uh, we wanted to let you know that Hey, it's, it's Houston. We know that there's some weather. We're actually actively working on what it looks like to have a contingency plan so that we can continue to meet in those spaces even when it's raining. Uh, but there's a couple of things that would help out. One is uh, we would really ask and encourage you to sign up for those time slots. One, so that we can make sure that we're planning to still create a safe environment for everyone. But the other thing is that if we have to make some changes in the plan due to the weather, uh, we wanna be able to communicate to that to everyone who's expecting to come. Uh, and so that gives us a list of people that we can then let you know if you need to bring something extra or if we're shortening things or adjusting slightly uh, so that we can still gather safely in uh, even in adverse weather. So uh, it's a fantastic time where we can get together to sing to do some prayers together, to share communion and celebrate that together. And then there's also gonna be a short sermon uh, where, that will match and mirror what's being preached online. And so it'll keep us all together and in sync. Uh, it's shortened uh, so you can have your kids with you. And that's part of why we keep it short uh, so that that can be enjoyable. But we wanna take advantage of our outdoor spaces while the weather is really good. So you can get more information about Outdoor Eucharist on our website and I have a really exciting announcement to you that beginning Sunday, February 21st, which is the Sunday after Ash Wednesday, that we're gonna begin doing outdoor Eucharist on Sundays downtown as well. We're gonna do that all through Lent at both 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. We'll have registration live for that soon, so stay tuned for that. But again, you can find information on that at ecclesiahouston.org. And next, Ecclesia, I wanna let you know about something exciting that's coming up that's gonna be available online. And some of you may remember uh, a piece that our story team released back in the summer during a season of heightened awareness of some of the racial inequalities that exist in our country and have existed for a long time, uh, where we got to hear stories from those in our community about some of their experiences here in Houston. And so our story team has been partnering with an organization here in the city of Houston called, called Restoring Justice. And they've been doing some great work over uh, several weeks to collect stories from people within the organization and people that organization has served to help in order to shed light on some of the work they're doing. Restoring Justice provides client-centered representation to marginalized members of our community facing criminal charges. That means expert criminal defense legal representation, social work services, trauma and forward counseling, spiritual support, and volunteer connections. This is an amazing way to support those in our community that are often put on the margins that are often overlooked and need a lot of support in order to uh, find things that some of us have re readily access to. Uh, and so we're excited that we're going to get to stream this live on Facebook on Thursday, February 4th, beginning at 8 p.m. Central. Uh, that's gonna be an amazing story. If you are aware and you've, obviously you're watching this online, our story team is top notch. They do amazing work. And so we're really excited to get to release this and share this with you. You don't wanna miss it. Thursday, February 4th at 8 p.m. Central. And then next, Ecclesia, I wanted to give you an update that we actually heard this week in our online staff meeting via Zoom, uh, where we got to take a look at some of the things that we were able to do as a community during 2020. And one of them that I was particularly impressed by is that the organization that we've partnered with down in Colombia on the Venezuela border, uh, that the kitchen that we've been able to help them build out, that they were able to provide over 200,000 meals to Venezuelans that desperately needed food and needed a connection, needed a sense of hope. Uh, and that's just mind boggling and reminds me of uh, the power of when we can pool our resources together and send that to folks who are on the ground doing amazing work. Um, and so we're able to do that because of your continued generosity. And so we wanted to say thank you and give you a chance to uh, see the impact of, of what those dollars and what that work has done. 
And so we wanted to let you know that if you want to continue to be a part of pooling your resources for those here in Houston, as well as beyond and around the globe, uh, that you can do that. And you can do it as simply as sending a text message. You can text your donation amount to the number 84321, and you can participate that way. And you can also go to our website and give there by going to ecclesiahouston.org give. Ecclesia, we couldn't do this without you and your generosity. So again, from the bottom of our hearts, uh, we just want to say thank you. And lastly, Ecclesia, I just want to uh, invite and welcome you to uh, receive and hear a message from God's Word and from our teaching pastor, Sean Palmer. Uh, he's going to take the next few moments and open the scriptures for us. And we're so grateful for Sean uh, and, and he, he and his life, his family, and for the fact that he's going to open the scriptures today. And I just hope and pray for you that in these moments, that these words uh, are living words. That they're not just stories of old or some, something that someone wrote down a long time ago, but that it is the voice of God speaking into your soul, into your home, where you are currently. And that God moves and ministers, that he offers hope and peace and healing and forgiveness in these next coming moments. Ecclesia, we love you. We can't wait to see you in person. God bless. Hey, Ecclesia, it's great to be with you again and open the scriptures together. Um, several years ago, Rochelle and I both went through this phase where we were just really into U2, like the band, we listened to U2 a whole lot. And we had bought tickets to see U2 when we were living in California. They were coming to San Francisco, actually Oakland. And so we bought tickets, snapped them up, had to get tickets, very expensive. And then Bono hurt his back and they canceled that show. And we ended up moving and getting our money back, moving back here to Texas. And then right when we were about to move to Houston, they were touring again, picking up that tour that they had left off and they were gonna be in Dallas. And so we took some money and we were bought tickets, like we're gonna go see you two in Dallas. And the, the night that they were gonna be in Dallas, our oldest daughter got an invitation to an National Academic Awards Ceremony in College Station at Texas A&M. And I'm thinking, we have spent hundreds of dollars on U2 tickets, and now we have this ceremony to go to. And I knew what I was gonna do immediately, but I didn't like it. I knew that we were gonna have to sell those tickets and go to this award ceremony. It meant a lot to Malia and it should have. She worked really hard to get it. But my real motivation was like, I just had this picture of her sitting on a therapist's couch when she was 35 years old, telling a story about how her parents didn't take her to this award ceremony and instead went to see U2. And after that, I decided that U2 just wasn't for me. Like I'm gonna quit being a fan because the Lord did not want me to see U2 in concert. But there was this U2 song that at that time, even though it wasn't new at the time, meant a whole lot to me. And the refrain kept saying, but I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Now, Ecclesia, I know how some of you are about music. Like you're about to stop watching this and go listen to that song because that song's a whole lot more entertaining than I am. And that's cool. But that song asks this question about all of the things that life has to offer and what happens when you have consumed, when you have participated in all of those things and you still haven't found what you're looking for. And I know for many of us, what we're looking for, especially at the beginning of a year, and we've heard so much talk about this and we're coming, we're still in COVID and we're asking those same questions like, what am I supposed to do? Who am I supposed to be? What's my purpose in life? And we don't know, so many people still haven't found what they're looking for. And the question for all of us is, like, will we ever find it? Because what happens when we're looking for our purpose and we don't find it is that we just stop looking and we, be, we begin grab bagging. We latch on to some philosophy or some other purpose. Some mean, for some of us, 
it's just raw consumerism. How much more can we make and how much more can we spend? For others of it, it's a relationship that we've been chasing. Like I've got to get married. I've got to find Mr. Right or Mrs. Right. Some of us chase our dreams through our kids, try to find purpose there that hopefully eventually something will happen and we'll find what we're looking for. And that's a perfectly natural way to be because the way that we're wired, the way that God created us is that we are defined by outside of us. Something from outside of us tells us who we are. It starts at birth. Your parents name you. And then you have people. If you have a great, if you have great and beautiful relationships who speak life into you and help guide you. And some of us find our way into toxic relationships and those people try to define us. But even Jesus needed this. That is baptism. A dove descends and a voice from heaven says, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. We all find our identity, our purpose from outside of ourselves. And because that's true, it would be really wise if we spent some time learning to hear the right voices about our purpose, about the meaning of life about the direction that we should be headed. And so to help us uncover some of that, as Pastor Chris mentioned last week, we're gonna spend a few weeks looking at the book of Ecclesiastes. Now, here's some things you might be interested to know about Ecclesiastes. Is that we really don't know who wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. All it says is the teacher. And there are a lot of reasons why people don't know, but some people just assign it to Solomon. And so we don't have to untangle that knot. What we're going to say is that Solomon wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, which would make a lot of sense. And I think add a little bit of heft to our understanding of it. Because Solomon was a king of Israel. He was the third king of Israel. And his mother was Bathsheba, if you remember that story. And Solomon, more than either of those things, was the king of Israel during Israel's golden years, during its heyday. He was immensely accomplished, even for a king. He was a builder. He built the temple. He was a scientist. He was a writer and a poet. Solomon had 700 wives and 300 concubines. And, and a lot of that doesn't sound like you think it sounds. A lot of those marriages, maybe even most of those marriages, were political arrangements. Solomon doing something like the UN. But in his early life, Solomon made a request of God. God told Solomon that he could ask for anything. And so he asked for wisdom. And he got it. Solomon orchestrated incredible treaties with foreign countries, all those wives. Throughout his reign, Solomon never fought a war. And at all this time, during all of this time, Solomon reigned in peace. At a time in history when countries went off to war just because the weather was nice. And because he wasn't fighting wars, Solomon had a lot of time to think and reflect. And he set out to answer so many of the questions that we ask, what is life all about? How do I find meaning and purpose and direction? Because if there is a meaning to life, if there's a meaning of life, isn't that something that you wanna know? Isn't that something you wanna wrap your arms around? Isn't that something you wanna figure out? So Solomon does what a lot of people do. He experiments. He experiments with wealth and with pleasure, with idleness. He experiments with busyness and theology and with science. He explored everything that he could explore. And because he was wealthy, he had the time and space to explore all of it. And what we have after all of that exploration, after looking around all the world to say, what would give me meaning and purpose and direction? What is life all about? After all of that, we get the book of Ecclesiastes. And before you open it up and read it, you need to know Ecclesiastes is an interesting book. 
my friend Mike calls Ecclesiastes God's bulldozer because it just doesn't play by the same rules. Other people have asked through history, does Ecclesiastes even belong in the Bible? And what they mean is that it just doesn't fit really neatly in the categories that we have. Because if you divide it in little chunks, which people tend to do, it sounds like the most depressing thing in the world. And, and that's one of the problems with the way we read the Bible, right? Is that we actually don't read the Bible, we read verses. And if you just take a verse out of context and you don't know what's going on, this can sound really depressing. So read the whole thing. And so after Solomon spent his life exploring and looking and seeking this is what he writes about the nature and the meaning of life. He says, life is fleeting, like a passing mist. It's like trying to catch hold of a breath. All vanishes like a vapor. Everything is a great vanity. Like maybe in your translation, what it says, is that everything is meaningless. Ecclesiastes launches out and it says, meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless. Well, that's not great news, Solomon. Like, what could you possibly mean? Are, are you saying that there's no point? Are you saying that we should just scrap it all? Like, that sounds pretty nihilistic. Are you serious about this? And he goes on in verse three, he says, what do people gain? from all of their labors at which they toil under the sun. What do people gain from their labor? Well, I'll tell you what they gain. Stuff. I labored, I got a car. I labored, I bought a house. I labored, I got new clothes. I labored, I bought my kids clothes. I labored, I put my kids through college. I labored, I went on vacation. I got stuff. But that's not really what he's saying. What Solomon is saying is like, what does it matter? Because what's gonna happen with that car? Here's what's gonna happen with that car. You're gonna drive it a while. You may even drive it a long time and you'll either trade it in or sell it. And guess what happens with that car? Somebody else will buy it. What's gonna happen with your house? You're gonna live in it a while and then you're gonna move. You're gonna move away or you're gonna move up or you're gonna move down and someone else will have it. You're gonna look back over the course of your life and all of your labor and all of the things that you thought you were gaining and they are going to be someone else's. So everything that you labor for will eventually be someone else's. But that's what we do when we think that life is just about accumulating stuff. In the last year, I've gotten really interested in wine. And the more you get interested in wine, the more you spend on wine and the more expensive wine that you have, that you drink, that you give as gifts. And whether you buy a $10 bottle of wine or a thousand dollar bottle of wine. If you live here, after you drink that bottle of wine, it's gonna get pumped out to the sewer somewhere. What do you gain from all your labor? Then Solomon goes on, he says, generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets, and hurries back to where it rises. Wind blows to the south and turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. Solomon says, generations come and generations go. Like you're here now and you think you're the center of the earth, but there is a generation and other generations before you and there will be generations after you. And they will think the same thing. It's like the tide, it comes and it goes. And like this is stuff you know already that we know already, we just don't really think about but all of our lives are pretty much the same. Like we're born and we go to school and then after school, we start a family or we live single, we get a job. And then after we work all of these years, we retire and try to enjoy some retirement and then we die. I look up my age now and it, 
it looks like what my parents said it would look like. That my life doesn't look all that different than my dad's life. As a matter of fact, when I say something to my children, who do I sound like? My dad. They're going to put me in a progressive commercial because I'm a homeowner who is starting to sound like my parents. And so are you. And it doesn't mean that you're not special. It just means that you're not unique. Generations come and generations go. And then Solomon says, this little piece that none of us want to hear, he says, all the streams flow to the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place the streams come from, there they will return again. So Solomon's saying all of our grab making, all of our attempts to be noticed and to be satisfied, that there's this something inside of us, this immense need to know who we are and try to figure things out. And so we go and we chase money or relationships, whatever it is that you're chasing. And there's an emptiness in that that will never be full. All the rivers, all the streams flow to the sea. The sea is never full. The sea never says, I've had it. This is too much. We're going to overflow. It's never full. And guess what? It can never be full. When we are out there chasing after fleeting things, we will always be chasing. There will never be enough attention or money or women or men. There will never be enough accolades. When we set out on a course to fill our lives with meaningless things, we should not be surprised that our lives have no meaning. You'll never be pretty enough or smart enough or successful enough to fill up that place inside of you. And that's why when you meet people, after everything you've done, you're still giving them your resume. And that's why you can't sit still and rest. It's why you feel bitter when you think someone is getting in front of you or ahead of you. It's why you get angry when someone else gets credit. You're easily offended. It's why you want other people to validate your decisions. It's why you get jealous when you scroll through social media and it looks like other people's lives have turned out better than yours. All the streams flow to the sea, but the sea is never full. I want you to hear what he says. He says, what has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. There's nothing new under the sun. Now, if you're, you're a younger person, this sounds terrible. That there's nothing new. There's no innovation. There's no great advance that's coming. It sounds terribly depressing. But if you're older, you're saying to yourself, yeah, that's about right. I've worked hard, I tried my best, I worked my fingers to the bone, I look at my life and it's not that much different than the lives that have come before it. And you can push back against that. You can say that you're the exception, that you're special. But let me tell you something. Solomon was wiser than you'll ever be, more powerful than you'll ever be, wealthier than you'll ever be, more experienced than you'll ever be. And he says, there's just nothing new. But there is this little key at the end of Ecclesiastes when Solomon gets done writing. And he says these three words, 
under the sun. And that's a little hat tip if we read closely enough for us to know that if we keep chasing after temporary things, our lives will be meaningless. 28 times in the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon says the words, under the sun. And what Solomon is saying is that if if all there is to life is what we see, what we feel, what we hear, if all there is to life is what we can take in with our five senses, it's vanity, it's chasing after the wind, it's meaningless. And he uses that word, meaningless, which doesn't mean that life is meaningless. What it means in its original language is closer to the word vapor. That life is vapor. Here's something you can try out at home today. Go boil a pot of water. And as that steam rises up off of that pot of water, go try to grab it. It's real. It's there. You can feel it. The task for us, if we believe Solomon is right, is to invest our time, energy, and resources in things that last longer than life under the sun, in things that really matter, in the people that we are given to love, in the task that we are given to do, that we go about our existence as ambassadors of God in the world to be loving and caring and kind and generous. Those things last forever. They impact forever. The question for us is what in our lives, what in your life will go on? What goes on forever? And are we investing in the part of life that is limited to under the sun? Or are we investing the energy and resources of our lives to that which lasts forever? Because when you look at the life of Jesus, he comes and does one thing. He invests his words, his life, his breath for the benefit of others. That's the kind of thing that will give you meaning. And as you step into it, you will also discover that that's the thing that all this time you've been looking for. Ecclesia, let me pray for you. God, give us eyes to see where you're at work and to walk alongside you, to join you in it. That we would be women and men who see the deeper, more meaningful, longer lasting things and join you in your quest to seek and save the world. We ask it in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So Ecclesia, as we've heard from uh, Pastor Sean today, it's my great privilege and honor to get to invite all of you to the table of feasting, to the table of remembering Christ's death and resurrection, uh, which is a table of our unity that we all need God's forgiveness and that we all get it, not because we deserve it, but because of the work Christ has done and because God freely offers it. And so I want to invite you um, to take a few moments with me and to ready your hearts as we prepare. Uh, And we are gonna pray a prayer of confession together. Lord, you have made us to be free, but we crave the cheap comforts of our chains. You have made us to serve others, but we have eyes only for ourselves. You have made us to love, but we are inflamed with lust. You provide that we may be generous, but we greedily hoard as if your well will run dry. You forgive time and again, but we hold fast to the sins of others. 
You offer light for our path, but we insist on making our own way. You are the God who saves. Lord, save us from ourselves. In your great mercy, restore and heal us and grant us your peace. Amen. So Ecclesia, on the night that Jesus uh, was betrayed, he gathered with his closest disciples and they shared a meal together. And at one point in the meal, uh, he took a piece of bread and he gave thanks for it. And then he broke it and he gave the pieces to his followers and he said, this is my body broken for you. And in the same way, after the meal, he took a cup of wine and he gave thanks and he blessed God. And he said, take this and drink. It is a new covenant executed in my blood. And as often as you eat and drink this, remember me. And so Ecclesia, we come to the table with whatever elements we have uh, with you today. And we remember Christ's death and his resurrection. So Ecclesia, as you eat and drink these elements today, may you taste God's forgiveness. May you be reminded of his presence and may you overflow with hope today. Ecclesia, this is the body of Christ broken for you and the blood of Christ shed for you. Amen. Been traveling this wide road so long My heart's been far from you 10,000 My heart's gone Oh, I want to come near And give Every part of me With this blood on my hands And my lips are unclean In my darkness I remember Mama's words reoccurred to me Surrender to the good Lord and you'll wipe your snake clean Take me to the river I wanna go Go on And take me to your river I smooth waters I go in as a man with many crimes come up for air as my sins flow down the Jordan oh I want to come near and give every part of me but there's blood on my hands and my lips are unclean Take me to your river. I wanna go. Go on, you take me to your river.
And now Ecclesia, I'm so honored to have a moment and invite you into a space where we get to pray a prayer of blessing over the kids in our lives uh, and in our um, proximity. And I also wanna let you know that our family ministry team is working on a fantastic experience for our kids to be uh, experienced throughout the season of Lent, uh, where they can play some games together, they can uh, have some Zooms and be able to chat uh, and walk through some spiritual practices and consider what does Lent mean for us. Uh, and it's a great resource for you as a parent to figure out how do I talk about this with my kids as well. Uh, so we wanna invite you to that. If you're interested, you can find more information at ecclesiahouston.org events and all the info will be there to sign up and participate. And so Ecclesia, I wanna invite you to take a moment. If your kids are there, I always love this to actually place my hands on them. If the kids aren't in proximity to you now, uh, feel free to pull up a photo or picture a niece or a nephew or a neighbor and pray this prayer of blessing and send this to them uh, with your positive intentions. Uh, but I'll be praying over my son and my daughter. And honestly, this prayer, I've prayed this before here, but it's kind of become my mantra for my kids. And it's something that I want. It's something that uh, some of my friends uh, in Los Angeles um, reminded me of. And it's been such a uh, source of joy for me to be able to pause and say this over my kids um, and to help ground me into who are the people that I would love to see, help see them become. So would you join me uh, as praying over them? So Moses and Aidan Elizabeth, my prayer for you is that you will live by faith, that you would be known by love, that you would be a voice of hope, that you, that God would grant you big dreams and visions, and that you would summon the courage to pursue them. I pray that you know all your days that I love you and that God loves you. And may you know his presence in your life for all your days. And we pray all this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Ecclesia, our benediction today is from a Gaelic prayer. It says, as the rain hides the stars, and as the autumn mist hides the hills, as the clouds veil the blue of the sky, so the dark happenings of my lot hide the shining of your face from me. And yet, if I may hold your hand in the darkness, it is enough. And since I know that, though I may stumble in my going, you do not fall. Ecclesia, even in the unknown, in the darkness, when we can't see what's next, God is there with hand outstretched to walk with us. So go this week with the one who does not fall, the one who is our companion and our guide. Sisters and brothers, dwell in peace. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information, please visit our website at www.ecclesiahouston.org.